Hey, you here? Here's hoping you are. Your being here is really, well, everything to us. You know, like so many of you, we were very sad to hear about the passing of Gordon Lightfoot. Gordon was one of the all-time best ever. One thing's for sure, there have been some great Canadian songwriters, from Lightfoot to Leonard Cohen, and then, inevitably, we think of Joni Mitchell. What we have for you today is an interview with Jessica Malaski. This comes from the archives. This was Paul Edward Leslie's second interview with Jessica Malaski in the Paul Leslie Hour. In this interview, Jessica Malaski talks about her studio album, Portraits of Joni, on Ghostlight Records. It features her interpretations of Joni Mitchell's songs. In fact, the official Joni Mitchell website even publicized this interview when it originally broadcast on the radio. Hey, real quick, if you got a moment, would you please, please subscribe to The Paul Leslie Hour on YouTube and also like us on Facebook, would you? Would you? Really helps us as we make our big push as this show turns 20 this fall. We thank you. Well, now's the time we listen to the second interview of Jessica Molaski, right here on The Paul Leslie Hour. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're welcoming back for a second time Jessica Molaski. She's a singer, concert, and recording artist. She's joined us to talk about her album, Portraits of Joni. Will Friedwall of the Wall Street Journal wrote, Joni Mitchell would have to look hard to find a better interpreter and champion than Jessica Molaski. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. So let's go to the beginning of your Joni Mitchell story. How did you first come to hear the music of Joni Mitchell? You know, I don't really know exactly how she made her way into my rural house in Connecticut growing up in the woods. My mom used to work at a radio station, and she would bring home all kinds of LPs that, I don't know, got scratched or whatever. And I remember being a really young child. It was 1974. The two records came into my life. One was Court and Spark, and the other one's A Little Night Music by Stephen Sondheim. And both those records changed my life. And I, you know, went off and later to, to work with Stephen Sondheim on Broadway, and then to finally decided to do something about my love for Joni. I did a uh, concert a couple of years ago at the American Songbook at Lincoln Center here of Joni Mitchell songs, and so we decided, because we had so many great musicians with us at that night, that we wanted to sort of put it in a bottle and uh, go into the studio and put it down, so that's what we did. Just aside from the music, which is beautiful, the whole package of this album, I have to say, it just has this very, I don't know, ethereal quality to it. And you painted the cover of this album? Yeah, well, you know, Joni Mitchell always says that she's a painter, always thought of herself as a painter first. And I've always been a painter. And Joni painted all of her covers. And so I wanted to sort of homage that idea because the the, I, the idea of portraits of Joni is that her her songs are these little short stories to me. They're these little portraits of people like Marcy and the last time I saw Richard. And she creates these little stories. And I um, so I decided that it needed to be a painted cover. I have to say that even the painting is kind of Joni-esque. 
Well, it homages that co- famous yeah. cover of her drinking the wine with the cigarette. But I didn't want it to be the exact cover, so I, I sort of, I sort of fooled around with that idea. Did you approach this album of yours, Portraits of Joni, any differently from your other albums? Well, yeah, only because I'd already performed it. It was the first time I'd ever sort of done the whole evening, so it felt more cohesive, and and the arrangements were there. I mean, over the years, John, my husband John Pizzarelli and I always we play every year at the Carlisle. Cafe Carlisle in New York City, which is kind of a very upscale room. And it's, it's not, I wouldn't say it's stuffy, but people pay a lot of money to be there. And mostly people, you know, Bobby Short was known for seeing standards there. But for about 10 years, I started slipping in uh, Joni Mitchell's song here and there, done like a standard. And people would always come up to me and thank me afterwards. So I, I think I've been sort of performing this music for some time. So I know, uh, I feel like I'm a little bit more inside of it, these songs, than I, maybe some other records that I've made, because I've just, it's, you know, there was, sometimes you go into the studio and it's the first time you've ever sung a song. We're joined by singer and recording artist Jessica Molaski. Something that you touched on in the last interview that we did, mm-hmm. you were mentioning that people, when you mentioned the American Songbook you used the word stuffy a moment ago, and I wouldn't say they say that, but they think sometimes more in line of Irving Berlin, the Gershwins, those kind of Harold Arlen, those songs. But you were mentioning, you know, the American Songbook can be something that evolves. There can be new additions. Absolutely. I mean, I think Paul Simon is one of the greatest contributors of the American canon of music, you know, James Taylor, certainly Joni Mitchell. She may be a little bit more farther North American, but yeah. And I think the thing about what happened with singer-songwriters back in the 60s was, especially with someone like Joni was, her delivery is so idiosyncratic. It becomes part of the song. And it's sometimes it's hard for people to remove the singer from the song. And I know that, you know, a lot of those Joni records are sacred to certain people and they don't want to hear other renditions of it. But really, when you do sit down and look at a case of you, say, it's a beautiful, beautiful standard song that a lot of people should, people should sing other than Joni Mitchell. Absolutely. Was there any song that you found particularly challenging to record? I think her, all of her songs are challenging, especially live. They're very rangy because she had such a remarkable soprano range. You know, she could go from really low notes to high notes seamlessly. Also, just the way um, the words kind of land on the notes, I think it's particularly challenging as any kind of Sondheim song I'd ever sung. A lot of them. A lot of the songs. We were just at the Montreal Jazz Festival and my daughter was actually performing. I was performing with my husband and my daughter. And I said to her, what's the next song? And she said, Marcy. And I, I looked at her and I said, I said something I can't say on the air because I realized that's like some of those songs are like literally like climbing a mountain. You think, okay, oh, I got to sing that one now after I just sang Blue. <laughs> They're hard, but wonderful, challenging. Speaking of your daughter, one of the songs in particular that I wanted to talk about is Little Green. Tell tell us about making that. Well, Little Green, I always, growing up, I used to sing that, you know, just sing it to myself because it's such a beautiful melody and such a pretty song. But I didn't know what it was about until 
I actually researched my show and it's a sort of a bittersweet song about Joni Mitchell giving her tiny baby up for adoption when she was basically a teenager herself. And it's a song about just sort of letting your, your, this little sparrow out into the world, into the unknown and giving it, you know, the best of luck, you know? And I had a dream actually that I sang it with my daughter at Lincoln Center and she was standing like behind me in the stream. And I, she was only about like 15 or 16 at the time. And I didn't really know a, if she could do it, play it. I knew she, you know, she kind of, I could hear her around the house playing the guitar, but not really anything that anybody, she would let anybody really hear. So I said to her, I said, look, I just, I'm just going to put this out there to you. And she said, yeah, let's do it. She just marched out in the Lincoln Center and sang like an angel. We couldn't, we couldn't believe it. So I said, well, we have to record that. And so it's on the record. She's quite an accomplished guitarist and, and singer. I don't know if that's what she's going to end up doing for her life, but she's traveling all over the world with us this summer, and we're having a ball. That's wonderful. So what is it like to go out on the road as not only touring musicians, but as a family? It's so wonderful. We just I'm a little bleary-eyed because we just came back from Seattle last night at one thirty, And it's not only wonderful for us, but it's, I feel that people come up and they're very moved by it. You know, we, my husband, John Pizzarelli, you know, he comes from three generations of musicians. It's just kind of like breathing. It's not like we're going to put our kids into show business. It's, it's more like we're going to sit on the stage and we're just going to make music for people. It's almost like making a great meal for someone, you know, or cooking. That's what it feels like. And it's just part of, it's just a natural progression of the familial thing that happens with the Pizzarellis, where here's a guitar, play it. But it's, I feel that people are very moved by it. The idea that families, especially in this day and age, that a young teenager could hang out with a bunch of, you know, middle-aged musicians and have the time of her life and share, and share what's inside of the DNA. I think it's really, uh, people are, seem to be very moved by it. And I understand why. I'm moved by it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, I don't know how much longer she'll ever want to do it with us, but we say we're the, the, the Italian McGarrigals. <laughs> One of my favorite tracks from this album is The Dry Cleaner from Des Moines. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Joni was, it's a, it's a sort of a vocalese piece that she wrote on, for the Mingus album. Joni was as influenced by jazz musicians, probably more so than she was by the Beatles. You know, uh, she loved Lambert Hendricks and Ross. That's how I discovered Lam- Lambert Hendricks and Ross was because of, she put Twisted on the end of her court and spark record and i'd never heard anything like it and i thought as a kid i thought it was a Joni mitchell song and then i realized later it wasn't so uh we we kind of homage that twisted record the teach and strong ending on the dry cleaner from des moines and we got randy brecker to come in and and play on it and his brother was actually on the original so and he walked in and played a ridiculous solo and just you know said good to that in one take and walked back out. It was amazing. And we, we had a lot of fun doing that. I wanted to put a couple of swingers on there and, and really, because I always knew that that she, that there was such a jazz love in the root of Joni, and I just wanted to make sure that there was some real jazz on the record. And this, as well as there's Bossa Nova and, you know, a lot of other kind of feelings. Well, speaking of Bossa Nova, concurrently with this album being released, your husband, John Pizzarelli, 
has released this album. Mm, uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it, he made a record called Sinatra and Jobim at 50. Sinatra and Antonio Carlos Jobim made a record, a beautiful, iconic record 50 years ago. And we had this idea of, because Daniel Jobim, who is Antonio Carlos Jobim's grandson, is a friend of ours and we've worked with him before, we had an idea of going in and, and redoing those those iconic songs and also maybe doing some, we did some originals in a real beautiful kind of bossa nova record. And we've just, that's, we've been touring that with it. We've been doing Joni and Joe Beam around the, around the country and uh, Daniel's been with us. And it's just, I think it's just a fab for a wounded world. It's just the most beautiful, contemplative, meditative record. I couldn't love it more. Is there any kind of healthy competition between the two of you? Oh, God, no. No. <laughs> no, John is just the most amazing collaborator in that. You know, we, we sort of produce each other's records because we, we have access to this beautiful studio upstate, and we get up there and we get cozy, and then we just try ideas. And if John says, you know, I didn't like that, do that again, I never, I always take it as, you know, as a loving gesture. I never feel like, oh, he's criticizing me or whatever. He's just the most wonderful collaborator now. We're we're a team. It's, I would love it if his record won a Grammy. Um, it would make me so happy. He deserves it. No, I mean we we you know we we our ideas are yeah no we I wouldn't say there was any competition not at all. I like to say when we perform together, especially when we perform in smaller clubs, we're it's like we're surfing on the same surfboard. Hmm. That's great. When you were recording, and now that you have released this album, Portraits of Joni, is there any effort, or have you sent a copy of this to Joni Mitchell? No, I'm I'm sure it probably will make her way, because I think the people that are around her, um, they look out for her pretty carefully. You know, it's it's a slippery slope. For years, you know, we've done stuff with Stephen Sondheim's songs, where we're trying to make it, put it in another vernacular, put it in a, a jazz vernacular. And, you know, he would come to see us at the Carlisle and we'd be sitting there sweating because he doesn't like it when you change your songs and his songs. And he, he did once in a while say something like, oh, you're reharmonizing my songs. And, and then over the course of like several years, we sort of wore him down and I think he got it and became very, very sweet about saying, you know, that was great. But you just never know, you know, you just never know if Joni Mitchell likes the idea that we took Chelsea Morning and turned it into a crazy Brazilian romp, you know. So I don't know. I, I, I'd rather just let it go out into the world and let it do what it's going to do and just know that there was a lot of love behind it and that, you know, Joni's songs, the minute, you know, we were just you know, on the West Coast and the minute you say, we're going to do some Joni Mitchell songs, everyone in the audience says, ah. Oh, you know, there's just so much love for that person, that woman, and what she gave to us all with those songs of hers. Are there any other artists that you have thought about doing a similar kind of recording, a tribute-type album? No, I mean, I have, well, I mean, I've, we, John and I have probably 20-some-odd crazy, you know, recordings or, or arrangements of Sondheim stuff. I have done a lot of Paul Simon over the years and kind of, re you know, taken those songs and excavated them. 
Uh, no, I haven't. I mean, I haven't made a record in a long time because I just didn't know what I wanted to make a record of. And then this just sort of happened to, to be organically happened. So I don't know. I, can, I can't think of the next thing yet. Tell me about how you approached the song Both Sides Now. Well, Larry Goldings, who's an extraordinary keyboard player, he plays organ and piano. He's played with James Taylor for years. We've been friends for a long time. He's been on all my records. He just knows how to deconstruct things. He has a, I, I say, he has this sort of brooding Russian Jewish part of him that always gets to the, the sadness of something. And I always felt that Both Sides Now, and I said to him, you know, Both Sides Now is the saddest song that anyone's ever written. Because basically, the song is all about being in that place in your life where you realize that you don't know anything about anything. You know, I really don't know love at all. I really don't know life at all. That's what that song is about. It's just one of those dark days where you just think, I don't know anything. And so he said it in that kind of minor mode that I think gets to the root of that. And that's what our idea was with that. Did this album, because of the nature of Joni Mitchell's lyrics, did it lead to a lot of contemplation on your part? Well, I, I mean, you know, I'm an actor. I've been an actor for my whole life. And to me, um, it's just trying to tell the story of what you think that story is. And, and she tells stories in her songs, you know, specific stories about people. I mean, even with the dry cleaner from Des Moines or... So I don't know so much contemplation, but the idea that it's just like as you would break down a script or, a, yeah, I try to think about the the beginning and the middle and the end of that story and how to tell it in a song while you're singing. When somebody listens to your album, Portraits of Joni, what do you want the listener to get from that experience? Well, I just think how how deep those songs are. They the store, you know, yet again, it's like like reading a great novel. It's not really about the notes, but the melodies, the melodies are beautiful and the music is beautiful. But the unique voice of this person, and so many of these songs that she wrote, I mean, she wrote Both Sides Now when she was basically a baby. And I don't know how you know all that at that, you know, time. That's what I want people to, to take away, but and the beauty of what her creations were, are. I think. If anyone wants more information, they can visit your website. It's jessicamolaski.com. That's M-O-L-A-S-K-E-Y. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> right. No, you have to do that. <laughs> Between Pizzarelli and Molaski, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> I well, used to say that because people get confused that when we do shows together that we're married, and I said going from Alaska to Pizzarelli was a lateral move. I just figured, forget it. <laughs> I'll stay where I am. <laughs> well, thank you very much for sharing with us, and thank you for making this album. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. It was nice talking to you. It was lovely. Take it easy. Okay, okay bye. bye-bye. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. 
Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, The Entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.